0: You are listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast, coming in on the eve of January 5th, 2017. I am one of your hosts, Chuck.
1: And I'm Brendan. So, we have a special episode with a special guest, Danielle O'Farrell. That is right. And she implored me when I saw her over the holidays to go see the new Disney movie, Moana. And I did... And I loved it so much that I just had to get around the podcast to talk about how much we loved it. And with that,
0: here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Well, what was Muan? What was the, the name of that movie again? Moana. Moana. So what was that about? I haven't seen it yet.
1: Moana is the newest animated Disney film, which is based on an amalgamation of different Pacific Islander, kind of Polynesian mythology. The main character is a young woman named Moana, who's the daughter of the chief on a remote island village. She's supposed to be training to be the next chief, but her drive to explore the ocean... Leads her on a quest to find the legendary demigod Maui and convince him to return something that he stole to break a curse that he unleashed that's now threatening her island. Do
0: you recommend it?
2: I do. One of the reasons that I think I was invited to hang out with you guys is um, because I fangirled about Moana so much when I saw Brendan over the holidays. I I saw it in the theaters because I am a fan of Lin Manuel Miranda and because it seemed you know like a fun like a fun movie to go see with my girlfriends the girl power movie and then I came out of it with just this profound appreciation for the fact that over the last 20 25 years since we were little kids storytelling at Disney has shifted in this incredible way because I feel like Disney movies used to come with sort of a caveat for girls and for people who weren't white people in terms of like you know like Oh, I love Ariel. She's she she sings really beautifully and she is determined to get what she wants and she's stubborn and she's sort of independent. But she gives up her voice to get a guy and she also like she you know, she like gives up literally everything to be with a dude. And I love Belle because she likes to read and she's loyal and she cares about her family and she's smart and she's also independent, but she is a Stockholm Syndrome prisoner. (laughs) So there were always these things when you were a child, especially a girl child, if you were growing up with a mother who was determined to sort of guide you into knowing that you were capable of a lot of things and not just what society potentially put in front of you. um, There were all these caveats. And then in the last maybe like, I don't know, 10 to 5 years, Disney storytelling has shifted so brilliantly that they are now telling stories with fully realized characters of all genders and almost at this point of all races. I mean, obviously they can do better, but like I was just so thrilled to come out of this movie that was about a girl who ends up saving the day. Because there's a very specific point even in the movie without getting spoilery where she sort of hands over command of the mission to uh, the guy who's played by The Rock, um, Maui, the demigod Maui. And I remember this feeling inside of me when I was watching it going, Oh, oh. Well, of course she does. Like this is the point in the story where she's, you know, gives up being the hero and hands it over. Because it happens all the time when you're a woman in storytelling. Is like, oh, and now the dude comes in to save the day, and then.
0: Great job. We'll take it from here now. <laughs>
2: exactly. Exactly. You've you've done your awesome loyal sidekick job, and now the hero gets to come in. It doesn't end that way. Like it sh- changes on your expectation, and that was so awesome to me when I was like, oh, this is this is all about her. It's so great. And she's a girl who, um, who like, takes responsibility for herself and she fights really hard, but she also, she, she, like, listens to what she wants, but she's also taking into consideration her family and her responsibilities, which I think is rare in film, especially for young kids, like, to want to wanna balance that in a really intelligent way. And I also just, you know, like that there's no love story in it. It's about time we have stories for everybody that don't involve needing to find a person to have the story end.
0: Validation. Yeah. It's like the only thing that can complete me in my quest for being the complete hero is a true love that I can give my heart to.
2: I was thinking about this. Are there Disney movies that you guys remember that where the male lead doesn't fall in love? Like there's no love story at all.
1: I mean, none. it's almost none. I mean, there's almost no mm. Disney movies where there's not some sort of love. Or I mean, even Fantasia. Oh wait, <laughs> movies in general. <laughs>
0: that broom did not fall in love with anybody. <laughs>
2: Unlike Beauty and the Beast, where there is a broom that falls in love. I was really trying to think about this because I, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be specific. I guess to women as much as like Disney stories have always been about coupling and to have a Disney story that's about a quest. And several, like, the last we've had, because we were talking about this at Christmas, that, like, Brave is Brave, Brave is Disney, but not Pixar. Or is it the other way around?
1: Brave is Pixar, but but not Disney. And Brave, it starts out, though, as she's being Married like, on. matched up for marriage. Right. So, but then the, the story kind of veers in another direction where it's about her and her mom, really, instead right. of the romance angle. But it still is very much there. And, right. yeah, Moana was very refreshing that they didn't feel the need to cram some sort of love interest story you know in there because well. it does seem like that in so many movies they're like oops oops we forgot to check the love interest box got to go back and cram one in even though it doesn't even make sense
2: well and what i liked from the beginning is that she was like moana is destined to take over the village she's destined to be the next chief and there's no in the movie whatsoever no like qualm or conversation about like oh a girl it's just like accepted that a girl's taking over and everyone seems cool with it and that there's that she's sort of given this responsibility to be chief and she doesn't shirk from it she kind of goes okay this is my responsibility this is what i have to do but she does find it in conflict with her desire to kind of explore on her own and and figure out who she wants to be versus who the role she's assigned she doesn't freak out about it and she doesn't there's no conversation in the, in the movie whatsoever about the fact that she's a girl taking it over i thought that was so cool because I feel like 10 years ago, 15 years ago in the storytelling, there would have been some competitive guy her own age who would have been like, you know, it would have been a story plot point. And the fact they could just sweep it aside completely it was so awesome to me.
1: I mean, it reminded me in that part, especially of like Pocahontas, where at the setup of Pocahontas, she's like, what path will I choose with my life? But of course, there's no aspect of, oh, and I'm supposed to be the chief. They're like, no, clearly not. That's clearly <laughs> right. not going to happen yeah. <laughs> for you. So, you know, to have this new The universe of Moana, it's not exactly the real world, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of analogous to some of the aspects of the real world based on the Pacific Island, you know, spiritualism and and mythology. Mm -hmm. But it's not directly tied to like, this is Hawaii or something like that, where it would have to try to hew to some historical norms or something like that. So it's free to go its own way, which I thought was really cool.
2: Brendan, when we talked about it, you were saying um, that you liked... The fact that she solves problems, you know, not to get like crazy spoilery, but she solves problems through like conversation, like there's very little fight.
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the coolest aspects of it is that in so many of the movies, um, some of the recent Disney movies like Frozen, like Tangled... There's a lot of combat and fighting. And Moana, there is a lot of fighting in it, but that fighting kind of proves to not really be the right way to accomplish anything. And I thought that was a really cool message, especially in this time where there's so much fighting and so many you know, aspects of politics and our lives and everything like that. To have a movie where the message is like, maybe if you stop fighting for a little bit and you listen and you look and you watch and observe you know, maybe you can figure out a way to accomplish something without punching each other in the face, which I thought was a great message.
0: Can that message even be received by an American audience? I mean, <laughs> I hope so. Will it just bounce off people's heads? Like, it's I mean, just I like... think this movie is doing pretty good.
2: This is what I loved about this fundamentally. When I I, I dragged my mother to it, my mother's never been a Disney person or a Disney fan or anything like that. Like we went to Disney World when I was like three, which was brilliant because then it could be like, oh, you've gone. You've gone already. And all I wanted to do was ride the Dumbo ride and lay like. Not in Disney movies whatsoever, never has been. And I made her go with me because I think the the subtle messages that we get when we're tiny people, which is when we're watching, watching Pixar and watching Disney, those little things that go into our brain about, like, this is how people behave and this is how the world works, that, like, it was okay to be bookish, but you should know that people are going to shun you a little bit. I couldn't get over the fact that not only did I think it was a good movie with some really important, useful things to say, but that... Three-year-olds were watching this, and these were the heroes that they were receiving. That little three-year-old girls and little three-year-old boys were watching this girl who wasn't sexualized like in any way, who was athletic, who was sort of problem-solving and smart, and who didn't know everything. She learns skills over the course of the movie, and she gains this like mastery of of ocean faring, of sailing. And I was so pleased with the idea that there there are these little kids who are receiving those messages really subtly now, you know? That the storytelling they're receiving isn't that you have to be a particular way or look a particular way or sound a particular way or that finding a person is the only goal in life, but that it's about sort of like taking care of yourself and your family and learning things and exploring and being true to yourself while also trying to be, you know, a responsible person in the world, and I just oh my god I I cry when I think about that (laughs) when you think about the messages that we got when we were little and how they were like as good as they were going to get at the time but the messages they're not getting and also and I'm not really qualified to speak to this because I'm you know i'm a really white girl but i love that it was populated with pacific islanders vote like the voice talents were all pacific islanders but also that it was a bunch of people of of color just like being awesome having families having conflict you know what i mean like you mean the... they
0: weren't bringing property value down in that movie <laughs> one of the films
1: that we talked about recently was kubo and the two strings which mm-hmm. was an inherently japanese story populated by voice talents like Matthew McConaughey Charlize Theron and a kid from Game of Thrones right which is like it's a great movie but it is a little disappointing that you can't find voice actors who would better represent the japanese of those characters but this movie goes out of its way to cast people of Pacific Islander descent they were lucky that they could cast The Rock <laughs> which mm-hmm. I, yeah. is also mm-hmm. a huge star and he's really well cast in his part he sings like a a Broadway song he does amazing his really? voice work is is really good it's really great
0: open your eyes let's begin yes it's really me it's Maui breathe it in I know it's a lot the hair the pod. when you're staring at a demigod what can I say except you're welcome
1: but the main character is a girl who I'm gonna butcher her name but it's aluli alayli I looked it up alayli Cravalho, Mm -hmm. and she's like 14, Mm -hmm. and I think she's Hawaiian, and... She blew me away. Like when I watched the movie, I was like, "Who is this main person? She must be a very famous, talented, established Good actor." actor. Okay. And I was like, "No, it's a totally unknown fourteen-year-old." She does the acting and the singing. Whereas, mm-hmm. kind of back in the day, in like you know Beauty and the Beast or whatever, they would get a completely different person to do the singing to do voice. The singing. <laughs> but
0: she does both, and she does Wait, such
2: an amazing job.
0: Angela Lansbury sang her part, though, didn't she? That's in, okay. Just my Angela Lansbury.
2: <laughs> She's got Broadway chops, man. This is my question, though. So what are the Disney movies you remember, like, you liked as a little kid and you hated as a little kid?
1: This is funny. One that I hated was Fox and the Hound. Did not like that movie at all. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Which is,
1: like, funny because it's, like, a message of, like, tolerance and being friends with other races or whatever. Of course you would hate that. Terrible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's like no songs in it, or I I don't even remember if there's songs in it, but it's just, yeah, I just remember it being kind of long and boring and kind of sad and depressing. It was a disappointment to you.
0: The Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, I wasn't very big on that one as a kid. Um, I think that came out just before I was born or something. In in like the 30s. In the 30s, (laughs) right. You know, I didn't get what those dwarves were like, happy to be working and everything. I just didn't identify or relate to that. You know, I liked Aladdin and Lion King and those kind of things. I actually saw it in at the Orpheum, I think, two years ago. Oh, the something. Broadway yeah. play so. version of it?
2: And I remember watching the Broadway play version of being like, this is an incredible piece of technical theater, and I want to be watching the movie right now. It's so verbatim, the movie on stage, that the tech aside, I, I was not thrilled.
1: That was a show where I think, the crazy Julie Taymor, like, costumes and sets and the elaborate puppetry and mm-hmm. really helped carry the show, dazzled by, like, I can't believe that guy actually looks like Timon and Pumbaa or whatever, where he's, right. like, <laughs> running some sort of crazy puppetry rig.
2: I'm going to name drop really quickly and tell you that Aladdin on Broadway, that's um, been running now for two and a half years, stars one of my friends from college as Princess Jasmine. Courtney Reed and I went to totally went to Roosevelt together in undergrad.
1: Sweet. Drop the
2: names.
0: Yeah, that's, that's
1: awesome. awesome. I've seen some clips of that. And if it's not mm-hmm. touring yet, it probably will be so- it's still running on
2: Broadway for a while, but it, yeah, it probably will be.
0: You know what movie made me sad as a kid? And I know it's not a Disney movie, but since it's animated, I'm going to toss it out. There was the uh, American Tale. Oh, God. Mm, yeah. I couldn't watch that. That was too sad for me. Man. Somewhere
2: out there makes me cry every single time I hear it. <laughs> like It's just such a... Oh, my God. I'm trying to think what I grew up on. I grew up on did, like Being a Beast, and I was super into The Little Mermaid because she had red hair, and and Aladdin, yeah. And then Lion King came along when I was, like, 10, and I was and it was incredible. And then Hunchback of Notre Dame happened, and it was really scary and, like, not a good Disney movie because he was, like, singing a song about lusting after Esmeralda, and I was 13, and I felt really uncomfortable.
1: They really
0: went there. Yeah. They went oh, there with that one. Here's another Disney movie that made me feel uncomfortable as hell. Dumbo, man.
2: Mm. Oh,
0: yeah. like, first D- Dumbo of all, was not one of my favorites. First of all, sure. extra sad. Second of all, those crows made me feel like they were uh, perpetuating racial stereotypes even before I knew what perpetuating racial stereotypes was. <laughs> Don't forget yeah. the
1: scene where they totally get drunk and hallucinate
2: yeah, for right. an extended sequence. <laughs> Super trippy scene that, with all that, the pink elephants.
0: Gosh, now I'm remembering like the saddest cinematic moments of my childhood. When she puts <laughs> her trunk out
2: from the thing and she like rocks him back and forth while she's in, Oh my god. I remember seeing The Last Unicorn, speaking of animated stuff that's not Disney movies, and being totally scared, like completely freaked to the point I've never been able to watch it again because it was so scary. The yeah,
1: Last Unicorn. That movie is weird for sure. That's not Disney, but it's animated. Mm-hmm. Isn't it the same studio that did the like weird Lord of the Rings animated movie? The Mm -hmm. animation is is pretty freaky at parts. (laughs) Have you ever seen that Lord of the Rings movie? Mm -mm. The old old school one?
2: We watched it in school, I think.
1: Oh, like because we read The Hobbit
2: or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. It was nice to watch a movie in English class, but it wasn't incredible.
0: Hippie movie that I saw. Do you remember that movie called The Point?
1: Oh, I remember that.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that 70s movie?
0: (laughs) Yeah. That was a hippie movie, and I think that that was about judging people that are different and stuff and the dude had a dog named arrow and i just remember that real hippie song me and my arrow <laughs> me and my arrow straight of and in- But that was good. That was a good one. Yeah, so.
1: I totally used to watch that as a kid. I think my parents like taped it off of HBO mm-hmm. onto VHS your tape. Just pirating piracy. Stuff. Oh. Just, uh, <laughs> hey, that court said that home taping was okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what the VCR not were
0: to be legal. reproduced, redistributed, or rebroadcasted yeah. without express permission. <laughs> as consent, long as you're not though.
1: charging tickets for people to come see it or whatever, I
0: think right. it's cool.
2: We had like so many videotapes, those self-record ones that we recorded off the Disney Channel of like the Aristocats. And, like, you know, those old school ones from the vault. Dude, I love
1: love going back and watching those old tapes from your parents' house. And then you get, like, half a commercial. And you're like, oh, my God, I remember
0: that McDonald's commercial. I can't believe it. You start singing the jingle. It's just triggered in your head. I
2: can confess to you guys something really embarrassing about my youth, which is that when Titanic came out, I was 13 years old, almost 14. I was Juliet's age. Um, which is something I would have told you at the age of 13 and 14 um, <laughs> on the cusp of 14. She's not yet 14. But so I was like exactly the right prime audience for Titanic. And so I recorded every single like appearance on Leno or Letterman by Leonardo DiCaprio or Kate Winslet or I think even Gloria Stewart was on. And I had a tape that they were on. And then I would stay up for like th- like three or four hours into the night to record the commercials for Titanic because every like three commercial breaks there would be like a Titanic commercial first and it would be like a different commercial sometimes. I literally had a tape full of the commercials.
0: You gotta catch them all.
2: <laughs> this is pre YouTube, okay? It wasn't like I could put together a YouTube playlist. I had to collect I did. I collected all of it. So I got in- I wanted to go see Moana mostly because of Lin Memo Miranda. Because because oh my god, like I'm assuming we're Hamilton fans.
0: I actually have not seen it. Or heard it all the way through. I've heard Brendan has exposed me to parts of it and I definitely have heard all the buzz. I'm driving, I'm going on a road trip here this next week and I'm going to listen to the whole thing. The criticism I hear, the idea of people of color playing slave owners, which is a weird thing for some people to wrap their head around. I'm always torn between the idea of, well, when in theater, anybody can act in anything, but then on the other hand, you say, well, why did they have to cast Jared Leno as a transgendered woman when there's plenty of trans actors? You right. know? I mean, it's always a balancing act or something, but I, I'm sure I can get beyond that and enjoy the point of it.
2: Some of the actors have talked about that, too, like Chris Jackson, and um, who played Washington, and um, Debbie Diggs, I think, or maybe it was um, Anthony Ramos, who played... Jefferson and um, Lawrence respectively have talked about like the complication of playing somebody while also having parts of them that you flagrantly disrespect or dislike like that are clearly just wrong Um, so I don't think you're alone in that criticism this is something that I am tiny bit qualified to speak on just because I've been in conversations with people a lot about about diversity and performance and casting and it always seems to me that like if you are a person with privilege playing somebody without privilege then it's of whatever kind then it's then it becomes potentially problematic if you're a person Plus. without privilege playing someone with privilege you know what I mean like
0: yes put on a new skin but not yeah. almost in a caricature-ish demeaning way
1: they did when they made that documentary about the making of hamilton they showed some pretty amazing footage where chris jackson who played washington was like doing a tour of washington's like mount vernon estate Mm -hmm. and you know went and toured the shack on his property where the slaves were Mm -hmm. were kept and stuff um so i mean that was something that he definitely took very seriously and kind of wrestled with as well but i think kind of the the like race blind or race forward casting you know is really interesting and it really does make you think about how look all these people were immigrants right Mm -hmm. they're not native americans you know they were immigrants you know in their time Mm -hmm. um so it only makes sense to have you know people of of color you know playing those roles and and bringing that aspect of their personality forward
2: that was lynn malamara's sort of like comment was that the only white person in the show theoretically is king george so he's talking about a class of people that did that don't necessarily have privilege fighting to create a new country but it is it is yeah i'll be interested to know what you think after you listen to it
1: oh absolutely i'm definitely excited to hear your (laughs) thoughts but then second on your list you gotta go watch moana to complete your lin manuel uh set because he did all the music for the movie as well and the music is phenomenal okay it's so good
2: fantastic Um,
1: even the the villain song (gasps) which is from uh, jermaine clements who is from uh flight of the concords Mm -hmm. uh he plays this kind of hermit crab and he sings a very uh david bowie inspired song and it's so great and it it fits so well Mm -hmm. uh, with the character and there's there's so many great great music tracks and after i saw the movie i came home immediately and downloaded the soundtrack and have A been lot. listening to it nonstop ever since.
2: I went back and watched the uh, Flight of the Concords episode where um, Jermaine guests as Bowie. Bowie in space. And this whole, like, oh, the media monkeys and their junkie junkies will invite you to the plastic pantomime. Throw their invites away. I can't get over how good it was. But yeah, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda can write an image. She is, her whole, like, quest song you know that first that song about like this is who i'm trying to be is about how the line where the sky meets the sea it calls me and i was like oh that's an oh that's an image guys like his
1: his writing is so good it it makes you hate yourself for not being so amazing to be like
2: how could you be how could you write such a perfect line it's too good. There's an interview with him where he talks about the, the song, the like questing song for her people has a line about we keep our island in our mind. And apparently uh, Pacific Islanders, the particular like tribes they were exploring, which is mostly like Samoa, I think is where they were focused. But they li- they didn't make maps. They literally didn't make maps. So they just looked at this like they knew the stars really well and they would literally just travel through the world without ever writing anything down, keeping the entire ocean in their head, which is pretty cool. Are there Disney songs that you could still sing through in their entirety? Oh, absolutely. Mm. I mean, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. So right, I so you're,
0: you know it all. He closes his eyes and Disney songs just start filtering through.
2: But, like, I'm pretty sure I could sing all the songs in Beauty and the Beast. And I'm pretty sure I could sing all the songs in Aladdin. <laughs> I
0: know
1: you could do Little Mermaid.
0: You want thingamabobs? I've got 20. That's about the Nailed only thing it. I know. <laughs> no, but we sang in show choir. We sang a lot of Disney songs because... Back then, in junior high, show choir, that was considered cutting edge. Yeah, so like Jungle Book and stuff. Uh, Want to be like you? I guess I could sing that through. Maybe a whole new world from Aladdin, and that's about it.
1: But yeah, I'm super excited for Moana to take his place in the Disney canon and and live on forever. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's super awesome, and I was I was definitely impressed with that. I liked it way more than Frozen. I don't know about Tangled. I'd really like me some Tangled, <laughs> but it was right up there for sure.
0: Tangled—that's the
1: Rapunzel one. I'm so out of touch. You guys haven't seen Tangled? Come
2: on! Look, this is what happens <laughs> when you don't have kids, right? It's like you—you you decide yeah. to go to a movie. Like I went to see Frozen with a date. We thought it'd be fun, and then I went to see Moana with a girlfriend. But like anything else, I don't—I don't, I don't know. like if unless it's on a plane. When I'm going somewhere. Yeah,
1: I'm going to watch it like once a month. I'm going like, to go see
0: Gone Girl. <laughs> oh
2: my God, Gone Girl.
0: Oh man, did you see the new one? Girl on a Train. Girl on the Train? Yes. Yeah, I saw that one. Yup. I think I like Gone Girl better, but I can't remember if I do.
1: Is this <laughs> part of the girl trilogy? Maybe. Closing it out.
0: Girl with the Dragon girl. Tattoo is not part of it. Girl interrupted. <laughs> right.
2: It's a nice psychological thrill. Like, that's, I read the book before I saw the movie. And when I read the book, I remember getting all the way through it and feeling really slimy. Because it, you have those moments where you're like, oh, I would totally do that. And then like three pages later, you're like, but I wouldn't do that.
0: Some of that stuff, yeah, it got a little crazy. It got really crazy. Brendan,
2: have you not seen Gone Girl? I have not seen have Gone Girl. Have you not
0: Girl. gone to the movies as a date in how many years? I
2: mean,
1: it's, it's rare. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely
2: saying that the majority
1: of my movie intake is of a, is of a family friendly nature. Oh, man. <laughs> but which is great because there's a lot of good movies coming out that are that are I don't want to say kids movies cuz a lot of people and maybe Chuck is in this group are people who would be like, "Well, I'm not going to go see Moana cuz that's a kids movie." But it's really not. I mean, movies like Inside Out that Pixar Mm. did recently. Inside Out is like Beyond. That's a great movie. These movies are not really for kids. Mm -hmm. But kids can watch them. But they're really all ages movies. And I think there's something for for everyone in there. And it's not like – I saw um, The Secret Life of Pets. Mm -hmm. That's a kid's movie right there because I got absolutely nothing out of it. I thought that movie was (laughs) terrible. The mm-hmm. kids loved it. They thought it was hilarious.
2: And then you took them to Sausage Party. Not quite yet.
1: I, although I heard that there were quite a few people who <laughs> did accidentally take did take their kids there. Because they were like, oh, it's just one of those one of those cartoon kids movies that's going on. Those are people on.
0: that are not paying attention. That's what I
2: was just like, how do you not check?
0: Like, you let's see, read the reviews on that. When you see the cartoons, you just say,
1: like, this is good to go. Ghost in the Shell, that sounds like it's for kids. Let's go. It's like oh, 50 bucks. <laughs>
0: yeah, seriously. You'd think you'd do some, like, consumer research first. just a little
1: bit Dude, Read, like, you would be a review shocked you would be shocked at the number of people who will just, just go to a movie theater and be like oh what's going what's playing i don't even know what any of these are that sounds like an interesting name let's go the, see that like that except, blows my mind. but
0: then you'd have to like wait and you might have to wait an hour or something like that just seems S- weird some people
1: just, got nothing but time they're
0: like Jesus is my co-pilot and my movie, my movies person. picker. You know, I'm just going to drive there and let him handle the rest. <laughs> Jesus,
1: Jesus, take this ticket stub.
0: <laughs> right? Oh man, that would be great.
2: All right, I have one more question for you guys, which is: if you could, you could have been the voice of any Disney character. Who would you want it to be?
1: I mean, I think Aladdin is a good choice. He's a pretty good character. It's
2: pretty badass.
1: Mm. I'm going to have to throw out one of my obscure Disney favorites which is The Great Mouse Detective. I
2: love The Great Mouse Detective! I
1: love that movie. Great performances. Mm -hmm. Disney's version of Sherlock Holmes, but he's a mouse. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite movies as a kid, and people often forget that it exists. (laughs) It's like a forgotten Disney movie. Also, another favorite, Rescuers Down Under.
0: Okay. Oh, yep. As far as the voice that I would do, either Ariel's dad or... uh, (laughs)
2: King Dragon.
0: Uh Mufasa or something. Oh, yeah. I just want to sound like I'm paternally in, like, you know, leadership. Yeah,
1: I think that Mufasa is good for you.
0: Everything that the sun touches is your kingdom oh. <laughs> or something. So, <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got chills. <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Danielle. This has yeah. been no an absolute delight. We'll have to catch up again sometime. I can
2: talk about feminist <laughs> movies until the cows come home
1: throw out your stuff where can people find you on the internet Danielle? yes yeah, seriously oh
2: um where can people find me online i have a professional facebook for those people who um uh, if you like audiobooks if you like especially british audiobooks especially what they call bodice busters which are hmm. you know like lord rafe and lady seraphina and the stable boy and things like that <laughs> i have a i have a website to my name com, um where you can find all of the audiobooks that i have on audible and you can see me in plays in new york sometime. And my Twitter is o'Farrell style' because I have one letter too many of my names for my name to be my oh. i had
1: I had that problem too. I had mm. to cut the l out of my of my name,
0: oh yeah, that's right It's
2: the worst
0: twitter that's why too restrictive exactly. I don't even know why I'm there anymore. not just kidding <laughs> I just got on like five months ago.
2: I do not tweet nearly as much as I should. Um, do you guys want to hear my party gift to you, my um, attending Hamilton story? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So I went to see Hamilton um uh in october i think when it first came out before it went all the tonys but um i sat in like the very 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 far back like all the way back and it was amazing and it blew my mind my little brother came with me it was my christmas present for my mom and i bought it you know i asked her to buy it back before they even got on broadway so it was still a reasonable price um and then i was completely obsessed with it because it's great and so i was trying to see it again so i've been i live in new york so i played the lotto every single day um from like the beginning of january until when I sort of like had time available to do it,
1: so for those that don't know every day at Hamilton they would do they would sell it's like the entire front row twenty one right?
2: seats, the entire front row and
1: they would do a drawing, you put your name in and then they draw you know out of the hundreds or however many people are there ten thousand you get your ticket for ten. Dollars, which wow. is the because 10 hamilton's on the 10
2: so tickets right now were and maybe not right now but when i was seeing it were selling for like two thousand three thousand dollars um but you could see it for ten dollars if you played the lottery so you'd enter the lottery at like 9 a.m and you would play you know and then it would get pulled at four or at two if you were, or at 11 even for matinee i think because then matinee was at two so i'm entering like every single day and every day i get my 4 p.m email being like no you didn't win um, and then one Wednesday, they have a two-show day. They've got a matinee at 2, and they have an 8 p.m. show. And I enter it in the morning. as I have a little alarm on my phone being like, enter the Hamilton Lottery. And I enter it. And then I didn't check my phone until like 2.30 in the afternoon. And I check my phone. And I had won the Hamilton <laughs> Lottery to sit in the front row for a $10 ticket. And I completely missed it. Because oh. the show had already started, my window to buy the ticket had, it was over, and I Mom. wanted to die a little bit. And I went, I was at yeah. work, and I went and to told like cold night coworkers, like, oh my, and they were like, like the scream, like the Munch scream It's <laughs> like, oh my god, and I was like, oh,
0: why <laughs> Take a personal day. And they Just start jumping out windows.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was the worst. Let so me recommend I you my
0: grief counselor.
2: I go. I entered again that evening. I'm just like. Like, what have you got? And nothing. And I just am resigned to the fact that, like, I will always be known among my friends as, like, the person who won the Hamilton lottery and missed the email and didn't check and just didn't. And it was a ter- loser. Um, <laughs> and I entered again the next day. And I'm, a, I'm doing an audiobook all day. And then I get a call from my day job asking me to come in that night. So I go about my thing. And I'm, like, at home. And I'm getting changed. And, I like, my phone buzzes at 4 when the email comes in. And I'm, like, I should just I should check that just in case. And I had won again. Wow. The next day. Like the,
0: the very next day. Literally
2: the very next day.
0: Twice.
2: Yeah. And I so then I, you know, call immediately call work. I'm like, nope, sorry, I made a mistake, can't come in by <laughs> and and then nobody was in New York. Like I had this extra ticket to Hamilton, and I had all these friends who were like, "Oh, grab, grab, grab! I'm in L.A." Or like, and I, I finally mm-hmm. found somebody to go with me. It wasn't that hard, as it turns out. But <laughs> for
1: sure, walk down the street, but
2: <laughs> shouting, <laughs> exactly, yeah. "I have a ten dollar ticket to Hamilton!" Uh, but literally, I played the Hamilton Lotto, and and people have played the Lotto for like actual years at this point who have not yet won. And I played it for about a month and a half. I won once, I missed it, and I won again the next day. And everybody I talked to was like. Buy a real lottery ticket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. What are you like, doing? That's
0: destiny. That's amazing. it. Was really
2: cool, and it was, it was nice, and to see it in the front row was pretty incredible. So, but it'll be on tour. It'll come to you guys like in a hot minute. Um, and they're playing the yeah. Lotto now in Chicago too, so you can wherever there is a Hamilton, there is always a Hamilton Lotto.
1: That's the thing about Broadway. It's it's kind of slow. It takes, <laughs> it takes a while it takes to time. make its way around.
2: It. <laughs> that's true. Lin Manuel's already moved on. He's now doing new Mary Poppins. But
0: I mean, I only want to go to see Hamilton. If I can make sure that Mike Pence goes with me.
2: <laughs>
0: I, want, I want that right experience to of Hamilton. <laughs>
2: He's seen it, dude. So
0: That's right. And I haven't. I'm behind the times. <laughs> I'm less cool than Mike Pence. It's a sad <laughs> day. Damn. Okay, I got to stop.
2: Well, thanks, guys.
1: That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing tales
2: My tales <laughs> Oh,
0: that's great. <laughs> Hashtag.
2: All right. I'm going to sign off. Thanks, dude. Yep. Bye, guys. Take care. Every turn I take, every trail I track, every path I make, every road leads back to the place I know where I cannot go, where I long to be. See the line where the sky to see, it calls me, and no one knows.